Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, July 6th. We begin with City Council's decision on Monday to repeal the mandatory mask bylaw, which has been in place since July 20th of last year. We hear the mayor's thoughts on the decision and get a reaction from Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. The Calgary Chamber has announced their organization's new president. We meet Deborah Yedlin. We hear about Deborah's extensive background here in the city and her vision for the future of Calgary businesses. It may sound like a dirty job, but testing wastewater coming out of hospitals may be a great way to catch outbreaks of diseases like COVID-19 in a timely fashion. We hear details on a new study on the topic from a professor of microbiology and immunology. And finally, restrictions are being lifted and we're booking trips now, but it's not exactly smooth sailing in the travel industry. We hear about the challenging times for travel operators from the travel lady herself, Leslie Cater. Calgary City Council all set to repeal their mask bylaw around noon yesterday during their council meeting, but they needed a unanimous third reading to do it, and they didn't get that. Well, let's break this down for you, because it did get a little muddy. Council voted 10 to 4 to repeal their mask bylaw, but because the third reading wasn't unanimous, it couldn't become official right away, but would require another meeting. Council could either wait until their next regular scheduled council meeting to make it official or call an emergency meeting, which is exactly what Mayor Nahad Nenshi did. And she says council came to a broad consensus on how to move forward based on the last couple of weeks of COVID data using stats around cases, rates, hospitalizations and vaccinations. We did get 10 days of solid data. And the biggest thing in those data was the fact that the vaccination rate went up 12 percent in one week. That's really good. The second dose vaccination rate, that's really good. And if we get another 12 percent between last Wednesday and the parade on Friday, That means we'll be over half people having their second dose, which mentally for me was always a point at which I felt more comfortable moving forward with repealing the bylaw. Now, council was told second dose vaccinations are on the rise in many parts of our city, while case rates and the number of people in hospital are continuing to go down. The mayor says while the city has repealed the bylaw, individual stores and businesses can still ask customers to wear a mask. He asks the public to respect the decision of those businesses. If they have rules that you have to wear a shirt, you respect that. If they have rules that you have to wear a mask, you respect that. And I really encourage everyone not to take it out on the retail workers. It's not their decision or their job, and it's not fair to them. Well, masks will continue to be required in city facilities like City Hall and rec facilities, along with transit vehicles. Vaccinations have been on the rise, with the 78.5% of eligible Calgarians getting their first dose, while 44.6% have had their second shot, which is above the provincial average. However, Mayor Nenshi says uh, parts east of Deerfoot Trail are bringing up the rear when it comes to vaccination uptake. He says that's going to be part of the work the city will continue doing during the pandemic. Uh, You'd be surprised at how much time I've personally spent on trying to increase access to vaccination, on trying to encourage people. And I don't see that stopping at all. We just have to go to where people are. Uh, we got to go to their workplaces. we got to go to transit stations. Now, not everyone is on board with repealing the mask by law. University of Calgary infectious disease expert, a regular on our show, Associate Professor Craig Janney says he's concerned not enough of us have our second dose of vaccine yet. And that means there's still a danger of more outbreaks. This Delta variant is actually pretty good at infecting people that only have one shot of vaccine. So a single vaccine dose is only providing about 30% protection against this Delta variant. 
However, Jenny says overall the vaccination program has gone quite well, but he'd rather hold on a few more weeks until the majority of Albertans are fully vaccinated. It's only a matter of really a couple of weeks before we get to that threshold of, of the majority of Albertans having a second shot and perhaps another week or two after that for them to develop immunity. So that safe goal is well within sight, uh, but it is still a few weeks away and, and things such as masks can really fill that gap. Dr. Janney's big concern is about the Delta variant. We've been hearing lots about it, obviously. He says vaccines are doing their jobs, but a single dose of the vaccine is only 30% effective against that Delta variant, while those who have been double-dosed are very well protected. And he says we don't have a high enough rate just yet of those who are fully or double-vaccinated. We did get to a good point, but you know, the, then the vaccine uptake is stalled, and, and that's also frustrating. We really need to keep pushing and getting more people to get vaccinated if we want to have a true uh, level of community protection here. Yeah, Dr. Craig Janney says even with the masking bylaw now a thing of the past, he's hoping people might continue to wear them on their own, particularly in crowded indoor settings, even if mask laws are ended. Janney says uh, people might still consider wearing one on their own, when those uh, crowded uh, situations come to be, and particularly, I think about transit, a, a, ver- a busy city bus. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. That makes sense. Why wouldn't you to not only protect those around you, but to give yourself that added protection? Because we don't, you can't look at somebody until they've been vaccinated. No. That's just the fact of the matter. And we know it's not terribly busy right now on transit. Some days, some routes and buses and certain C trains still are, but it's going to ramp up as we move through the summer. Think about Stampede, how many people take transit to Stampede. Oh, yeah. And then getting back to work in September, if that's still in effect, you can see how busy it's going to be. So it really does make sense. And as as we look at the text line, it's open to you to let us know what you're thinking about the repealing of the mask bylaw. Your thoughts on it, 403-974-8255. Someone is saying, let public health folks do their job. This council is not the subject matter expert on anything. And they were being told by people like Dr. Craig Janney. That's how they made their decision. So do give them a little bit of a break. Yeah, they prolonged it way too much yesterday. It was ridiculous to, you know, keep putting it off and somebody would jump in and they'd have to vote again. But but they were being talked to by the public health experts. That's yeah. how they made their decision. They didn't just randomly pull it. I am, uh, you know, I'd love to try my best to hold government to account. But in this case, the, the health officials, the scientists, the doctors, the infectious disease specialists, that's their expertise. Mm-hmm. They offer up the data, the facts and figures, and somebody has to govern. Somebody has to, you know, put the structure in place. So, um, you know, it was an extra four days. Let's, let's, let's bottom line this. It was an extra four days apart from the rest of the province. And this was their first nope. meeting yeah. where they apparently had the ability yeah. to repeal this law. So let's give them a little bit of a break on that one. And I, I don't think it was so bad no. holding it over the weekend. And I mean, you know what? City Hall, they say public, public buildings, city buildings rather, uh, you know, will be still under the mask mandate. Mm -hmm. Well, I submit to you, Sue, you look at the largest employer in Calgary, I believe it is the city of Calgary, it, it, in the end, it's a business. You have to you run a city like a business, and they chose the same way. If Costco comes out today with an announcement that says across the province and for certain in Calgary, mm-hmm. we're going to keep masks till August 1, tell you what, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't go to Costco. I that's, mean, these, these are the way things work. You're right. That's um, the bottom line. And, and technically, and I know that, like, for example, I've seen these signs around the city because people do their rental projects. You can get your permits for renovations online now. You don't have to go to City Hall. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's, there's still lots in place. Uh, but, yeah, for me, it is in those times I've been on transit. Uh, admittedly, when I was younger, I was on transit all the time. 
you know, it can get pretty packed. So I'm on board with that aspect for sure. And, you know, even at the mall on Sunday when I was there at Cross Iron, which is outside of the city of Calgary, so no mask mandate in place, I would say, like, uh, you know, we talked about it, half the people probably wearing them. But some stores still had signs at the front door saying this is going to be a mask Mandatory mask, Mandatory okay. masking for the safety of our employees. And most of them still had their hand sanding at the door as well. I uh, got another text in saying this council is terrible. They can just make one decision. Could they just make one decision that's not confusing? Uh, no, they seem to have trouble with that. Uh, people can continue, says this texter, to wear masks if they want. The city is again trying to save us from ourselves. Germs don't pick where it's best to live. This bug is everywhere. Just get vaccinated. Here, here, get vaccinated. If you are on the fence about it, just do it so we can get everything. You heard it federally. If we don't get those numbers up on yeah. vaccinations, we're not opening up the border either. It's about the safety and it's not about, you know, government control. We all want to get past this. We want to move on and we don't want that open shut uh, again. We're done with that pattern in my mind. Anyway. Please. Well, the Calgary Chamber is welcoming a new president onto the job this week with well-known business writer and chancellor at the University of Calgary, Deborah Yedlin, taking over the position. Yedlin is no stranger to the world of finance, spending time on both Wall Street and Bay Street, and she joins us now. Good morning, Deborah. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, so, I mean, you've got a long list of accomplishments. You're already on several boards along with being a chancellor at the U of C. What in the world prompted you to take on this challenge? Are you an overachiever? You just felt you weren't busy enough? or? Well, my, my mother was my role model, and she was someone who was uh, did not retire from her uh, teaching post at the University of Alberta until she was 75, so I've got a ways to go. Wow. <laughs> she was definitely someone who didn't slow down at all. But really, this is a, such an important part of Calgary's um, economic journey, and I, I'm really, you know, I saw myself as a voice for business when I was writing and, and also a part of being on the radio and various media outlets, and I just this is an opportunity for me to be another voice for business in Calgary and really continue to support businesses in a different way and a more proactive way and also not just within the city, but also as a voice that sort of resonates across the country. So people can start to understand and say, you know, there, there are a lot of really interesting things going on in Calgary from a business perspective. Energy is part of it, but there's so many other things that are happening here mm-hmm. as well. Deborah, you got your work cut out for you. Certainly turbulent times for Calgary businesses. Can you see a path back to profit for many who've lost so much during the pandemic? Well, I think, you know, for one thing, we need to, you know, there's a few there's a few ways to look at this. One is we have to continue to make sure that we have um, the COVID uh, under control. Our economic reopening is tied to that. Absolutely. So we encourage people to continue to get vaccinated. But beyond that, I think we have so many uh, positive uh, developments in the city that have taken place, let's say, in the last 60 months, despite the pandemic, we have had very strong signs of economic diversification starting to take root, whether it's clean tech, climate tech, carbon tech, that's really starting to sort of establish Calgary as taking the energy sector in a different direction. We saw the announcement of the net zero pathways by Canadian Natural Resources, Sonovus, Suncor, Imperial and Meg very important uh, signpost for everybody to see that we're innovating or looking at ways to make the energy sector more competitive and make sure that we are part of the energy matrix on a global stage going forward. Very important development because it means there's a lot of research and development goes on. There are a lot of spinoffs to that as well. You know, look at the University of Calgary in terms of what it does from an R&D perspective and how that supports the economy. I think, and then we have accelerators that have come to Calgary. We've seen companies funded uh, in the ag tech business, in the fintech business. 
So I think we're seeing some very interesting developments here from an economic standpoint, and we are going to start to gather momentum and move ahead. I, you know, it's, it's going to still be a challenge, but I think we're definitely starting down a very important path that's going to be very good for the city. Deborah, it was a provincial slogan, but what will you do with the chamber under your leadership to signal to the rest of the world that Calgary is open for business now? I want to tell that story about Calgary and what we're doing to change the channel in terms of the innovation that's going on in the city that is going to benefit the city, the province and the country. I want to tell the story about how this is a city to come to work, to live, to play and that we're inclusive and we want to really move forward collectively and collaboratively. This is a city that gets things done. We're known as being entrepreneurial. We've been on our back foot because of the energy challenges and because of COVID. And I really want to talk about how we're going to move forward. I will go back to the the Peter Lawheed button that he ran with on one of his election campaigns. And it just said, now. So now is the time for Calgary to move ahead. And that's what I'm really going to be taking forward. Well, Deborah, congratulations on your new post, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks so much for having me. That is Deborah Yedlin, the newly announced Calgary Chamber President. Testing hospital wastewater is likely not a job many of us would like to do, but a new study from the University of Calgary's Cumming School of Medicine says it may be the key to slowing or stopping outbreaks in hospitals before they really get going. One of the report's authors, Dr. Michael Parkins, an associate professor in the Cumming School of Medicine, is here this morning to tell us about it. Good morning to you, Dr. Parkins. Good morning. Well, you know, you were able to test this out over the course of the pandemic. Uh, two things. What did the data tell you? And were you able to put it to practical use? So this is a uh, part of a, a larger study in which we're testing wastewater from a number of locales in Calgary, the three wastewater treatment plants and a whole bunch of um, individual communities. We went into the hospitals at the end of the first wave to try and validate our Uh, technologies to ensure that the increasing signal we saw with uh, the number of patients in a hospital with wastewater correlated with what we actually identified. And we were surprised to find that in addition to um, an increased signal proportionate to the number of people hospitalized with COVID-19, the test was very, very sensitive to identifying new cases in a hospital. So even on a background of dozens and dozens of people admitted to hospital, we could discern one or two cases of acutely occurring COVID-19 in a hospital. And uh, that really provided a lot of information, not just on the natural history of COVID-19, where we now recognize that the vast majority of viral RNA that's shed into wastewater is from acutely occurring cases, those in the first couple of days before symptom onset, but also that we can now uh, monitor for COVID-19 outbreaks in individual facilities. And hospitals represented the ideal environment to do this because it's a relatively stable population that we have comprehensively identified. We know the exact numerator, number of people with COVID-19 in a hospital, and the exact denominator. And when there's a suspected outbreak, we can identify it um, and track down uh, affected individuals within hours as opposed to days in the community. So it was really... Uh, uh, fortunate uh, area to actually try and understand wastewater science. Makes sense. Doctor, can you take a little step back and just tell us exactly what you were finding in the wastewater? What were you looking for? 
So we've partnered with the City of Calgary and Alberta Health Services, and what we've done is collected uh, 10-liter aliquots of wastewater over a 24-hour period from municipal manholes outside of each of the city hospitals. We then concentrate the wastewater down into a tiny, tiny volume, process it to remove impurities, and then look for fragments of the viral RNA genome where we find evidence of the nucleocapsid gene. We're able to quantify how much is present. Okay. All right. So uh, we've just got a, about a minute left with you here, doctor. But I'm wondering, with not everyone vaccinated yet or others not willing to get the vaccine, how important will wastewater monitoring be moving ahead? So wastewater monitoring will actually be more important in the hopefully waning days of COVID-19. And that's because uh, what we have determined in other parts of our work is that it provides a very strong lead signal for COVID-19 cases. So in the community, our wastewater signal increases six days before cases start to, and we have that strong correlation. So as uh, we have minor areas of flares of COVID-19, we'll be able to track and identify them, and we'll now have the resources to be able to go and hopefully uh, prevent those minor outbreaks from expanding to even larger and larger outbreaks. Fascinating, yet super important. And as Andy said at the beginning, a bit of a dirty job, but we thank you for doing it. It makes sense. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Dr. Michael Parkins, Associate Prof in the Departments of Medicine and Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the Cummings School of Medicine. Joining us this morning is the travel lady, Leslie Cater. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Sue. Uh, You must be pleased as restrictions continue to get lifted and people start to book trips. It's got to make your life much better, right? Right. It's very, very encouraging. Of course, the crucial thing is lifting of the travel ban. And and while it's lovely to see restaurants, you know, open inside as well, I keep reminding people that in travel, we only get uh, paid when people actually leave. Right. So So my 2022 (laughs) traveling is not helping you at all. Yes. Yeah, it's a long way off still. So, But it's been extremely busy. And it's kind of a strange contradiction the way it is. The travel ban is still in place, but phones have been ringing off the hook. Um, Travel agencies are short-staffed. Suppliers, airlines. I mean, we have been on hold for six hours with airlines trying to get answers for clients about changed flights. It's just crazy. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the background, uh, you know, I've uh, dealt with you and, and known uh, about you and what you do for 20 years plus, Leslie. I know you're very mm-hmm. detail-oriented, as I'm sure a lot of successful travel agents are, but mm-hmm. now even more so because any destination will have different restrictions, uh, you know, different things open and different things that are not open. You have to right. really be on the ball. Oh, gosh, yes, you do. Uh, just looking, for example, into Barbados. If you're fully vaccinated, that's great, but you've still got to get the PCR test before you go. And there's a whole, there's an app that you have to fill in, a healthy travel thing. So every country has their own process and therefore doing everything takes twice as long. We heard too, Leslie, I'm sure you've heard this as well, that Hawaii, Maui in particular, the mayor apparently was saying, please stay away. There are too many people here now. Yes, yes. Hawaii has been wanting to cut back on the income of visitors. I think a lot of people, uh, maybe from uh, North America, see Hawaii as that tropical paradise that's still kind of first world. Yeah, because so there's a Costco they, there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, yeah, good point. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
they've been flocking to places like that where they think there will be higher standards uh, all around. And I would think that those people who, uh, you know, have found travel websites that they can just whoop, zip, zap, whop, book their trip. You like that phrase? Um, Should be leaning on travel agents now more than ever, because if you miss something and you find yourself stranded at the airport or getting somewhere where you have to quarantine, it's better Mm -hmm. to talk to an expert right now. Well, exactly. People are saying in the past, you know, I've never used a travel agent before, but even though I've booked this cruise every year, I just, I need an extra set of hands and an extra brain to check everything over. And perhaps a little peace of mind, Leslie, if we book through a travel agent, sometimes are we better able to get or get better insurance, et cetera, that sort of thing? Well, yes, obviously we give the full range of insurance, but I always say that it's when things happen that your travel agent is there for you. And obviously when this pandemic came down uh, last year in March, we had people stranded in Europe and my team was working till eight, nine o'clock at night and I was still taking calls at one in the morning. So at a time like that, you know, you just, you don't need to be on hold. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, yep. and you want to enjoy your holiday and mm-hmm. let somebody yeah. else do the heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, That's right. exactly. Have you seen Leslie's muscles? Yeah, she can bench press oh, 300 yeah. pounds. Uh, She's got you. Th- thank you so much you for go. the update of these ever-changing cha- times. We appreciate it, Leslie. No problem. You stay well, guys. She is Leslie Cater, known as the Travel Lady on social media at the Travel Lady and thetravellady.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.